This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson, president of New Perspectives. Nancy is a chartered financial analyst. Do you know that there's new information from the IRS and the Social Security Administration? Should you discontinue your retirement savings for the next few months? And what are your personal finance questions during this historic time of COVID-19? Nancy, uh, observing, uh, uh, practicing social distancing, that is, is joining us from her home. Uh, Good morning, Nancy. Thanks for uh, going the extra mile so that you can be on the air with us. Good morning, Kevin. Nice to hear you, if not see you. <laughs> so as the COVID-19 has spread and, and concern about the pandemic has, you know, really across the globe, financial markets have been on sort of a wild ride. Uh, what's the latest on, on the markets this week? Well, this morning we're seeing a big pop on markets, and I think this is in uh, response to a possible stimulus package. And that's what we've been waiting for this week. Uh, we thought we might have something by yesterday. It didn't happen. It fell apart and markets declined. And this morning, I think we've got something. So we're just waiting to see what it is. And we're going to be diving in and trying to figure out how we can help folks and get out information as far as what help will be available to small businesses. And we plan on writing something, a blog post, and we'll send it on to you. All right. Uh, So IRS.gov issued a press release that tax day is now uh, July 15th. Uh, Do you have any details? What can you tell us about that? Only what I've heard as well. Um, And I'm assuming that also applies to IRA contributions because typically you have to make those contributions by the tax deadline. So that will push it out and allow people to have a little bit of time to be able to do that and take advantage of it. Uh, Producer Liz Gill found something on the IRS website that's got a little bit of detail. Uh, as we said, the uh, the uh, uh, extending the, the IRS has extended the deadline uh, and federal tax payments due on April 15th to July 15th without penalties or interest. Uh, it applies to all taxpayers, including individuals, trusts and estates, corporations and other non-corporate tax filers, as well as those who pay self-employment taxes. Uh, the IRS urges taxpayers who are owed a refund to file as quickly as possible. Um, Kevin, just uh, know that for corporations, their filing deadline was March 15th. Okay. So we've already passed that, and many of us, my company included, have already filed. Very good. Um, so um, what, what would your kind of general advice be to people as we continue to deal with? I think what, what bothers a lot of people is uncertainty. So what would you recommend yeah. people about, about their finances at this time of, of, of our lives? Well, um, I think to remember this feeling, um, for a lot of us, we tend to get into the mode of whatever is happening around us when times are good, we think it's always going to be good, and we're going to continue at this pace. And we always preach on Money Talks about having an emergency fund, and this is where it really comes home. Um, This is a teachable moment where you need to have some cash savings to be prepared for times like these, to be prepared if you lose your job job. And typically, you hear three to six months of salary set aside. That depends on how certain your income is. 
And uh, for some people, they are at home but still getting paid, but there are a lot of people who are not. Also in the news, Governor Tate Reeves' request for an economic disaster declaration by the U.S. Small Business Administration was approved last Friday. All Mississippi businesses and nonprofits that are severely impacted by the coronavirus pandemic are eligible to apply for low-interest federal disaster loans. These businesses can apply for up to $2 million in working capital that can provide vital economic support to help overcome the temporary loss of revenue they're experiencing as a result of the virus. Uh, so small... Kevin, let me just... Okay. Uh, let me jump in and say, for small businesses, um, we don't need loans. Those small businesses um, are concerned about, if all this is is a loan, how am I going to pay that back if I don't have customers? So that's why we're looking to this new stimulus bill to see if there's something in there that will help small businesses. Um, they're going to need some cash infusions, and we're hopeful that there will be some provisions in there and give us some guidance to our small business clients. And so uh, are you anticipating that in that stimulus package, again, it's not a loan, it would be just payments to these small businesses to help them bridge the gap while, uh, while they're losing so much business during, during the outbreak? Again, we don't know the details, but the latest I've read that seems to have bipartisan support is the idea of a low or zero interest loan that could be forgivable if you maintain your payrolls. Um, we're going to wait and see what actually comes out in the bill. But if that is the case, that basically means a cash infusion. Uh, and also, I think, uh, has been discussed um, payments to uh, to Americans as well. Have, what have you heard uh, on the discussions about, uh, you know, monetary relief to sent directly to, to citizens? Well, so far, um, they are talking about certain amounts going out based on income, and the income would be based on their 2018 tax returns. And, of course, that's not the most up-to-date, and some people complained and said, well, if you, if you do this sliding income with the amounts phasing out for a certain higher income, what about people who live in very um, high-expense areas like San Francisco or New York, where those big incomes look big to us in Mississippi, but not so big there. So there's discussions there. Also, for people who don't have income um, or had, had not filed, the payments were going to be lower. And so there's a push to increase those. We don't know exactly how much. I've heard everything from 1000 even up to 3000 on average per family. We will see. So if you have a question for Nancy, again, give us a call or send us an email. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Back after this short break. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. Information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. 
Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your phone or Android phone on demand. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives. So, Nancy, the Social Security Administration put out a press release last week uh, telling us that they're not seeing individuals in their office for now, but um, I guess there are other ways that people can uh, get in touch if they need to with Social Security. Absolutely. And, you know, we've had Sean Mercer on many times. He's wonderful. Um, And more and more, they were moving to online and phone interviews. Um, So this is the time to take advantage of that. And they have so much information. If you haven't signed up for your own personal Social Security uh, online informational site, I'll put it that way, Um, you need to do that. It's very easy. Uh, They will ask you all kinds of questions that make you feel like Big Brother, but it's trying to make sure you are who you say you are. And you'll be able to look at your actual earnings. And that's something we all should be doing and keeping up with as we get closer to retirement. But feel free to call them. They're going to have people manning phones, um, go online. Um, You can get all you need there, and um, your Social Security checks will keep coming. That's right. So if you do need to get in touch with Social Security online. It's www.ssa.gov, and their national 800 uh, number is 1-800-772-1213. It's an automated telephone service, so you don't have to wait to speak uh, with a telephone agent. Um, and so, um, as you said, there the virus, uh, the Social Security Administration is telling us that the, the virus is not going uh, to disrupt payments. People can expect to receive uh, their payments as they would uh, any other month, I guess. And it's really important to tell people our financial system is still functioning quite well. Um, One of the questions I've had asked is, why don't they shut down the stock market since it's going crazy? But it's more important to keep it open and let this news filter through as long as trading is uh, reasonable, and it is. Um, I've also gotten questions about, oh, should I have a bunch of cash in my house? Because what if I can't get to cash or I can't get to my bank accounts? This is not like a natural disaster, a hurricane, or uh, an earthquake. Um, Our uh, electrical grid is still working. Our financial systems are still working. And so everything is flowing smoothly at this point. Uh, I will mention uh, that uh, my bank uh, recently has gone to um, having, uh, if you need to go into the lobby and into the bank itself, uh, that you have to make an appointment. And that makes sense. Again, you know, social distancing, we're all trying to keep our distance from each other. Uh, But they mentioned, obviously, that uh, mobile banking, online banking are still available, and as are the ATM machines. And I think you make a a good point in that this is different from a natural disaster uh, in in those respects, that we still should have access uh, to these uh, modern technology things that help us uh, access our money so we don't need to to pile a bunch of cash under the mattress, I guess. Right. And, Kevin, it's really interesting because we were moving um, towards this, you know, mobile system, remote system, 
uh, way of doing business already. I think this will push us a little bit faster. Um, the big concern has to do with folks who don't have access. And so that's where we need to really go back and look at making sure that people have access through good Internet reception so they can take care of everything that needs to be done. Uh, I think uh, Jean is on the line from Kapaya County and I think has a, a comment or question about what we were just uh, mentioning. Jean, go ahead. You're on the air with us. Uh, good morning. Good morning. I was just wondering, um, for those of us who have 10 cents or so in the bank, um, should I hear you talking about bonds. It, should you put your money in bonds? Can you leave it in the bank? Or should we just go down and take it and put it in the mattress? Oh, no, ma'am. Again, our financial systems, our banks are functioning quite well. Um, the Federal Reserve is doing an excellent job of keeping all of that rolling. Um, they're addressing short-term financing for all of our banks. Remember, you still have FDIC insurance that protects each account holder up to $250,000 per bank. So you're fine there. Um, for some people, with their current investments, they are looking at possibly stepping into bonds, um, understand that the bonds, yes, are stable and um, have been doing fairly well throughout all of this. We are seeing very low yields on that, so you're just going to have to get used to that. I had a lot of people complaining even before this happened about low CD rates. Well, that's what we're going to be dealing with for a while, but um, understand that offers you safety. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson. Nancy's ready to take your personal finance questions, or you can send an email. Here is an email uh, that says, Seems now be, may be a good time to buy some oil company stock, which I own. Some now in my 401k. Was advised if I had some cash, would probably be time to buy a little more. My question is, I have a little bit of money in market funds. Uh, I could buy with, but are bond funds considered cash also? Should they be used as well to buy stock at this time? Well, first, let me address the idea of let's buy some things that are at a low price. Um, that's fine to do as long as you understand that you you need to be doing that with long-term money, and you don't need to risk uh, short-term events happening. That means you'd have to cash that out at the wrong time. You don't want to be stepping into your emergency cash. You need to hang on to that, especially in times like these. So only do it with that extra that you have that you know is going to be long-term. As far as oil companies, I mean, I was shocked to see the price per barrel going below $20 per barrel. Um, we think we're going to see depressed oil prices for a while because we have not only this global event happening, we also have a price war happening. And so uh, the U.S. is continuing to pump out because, you know, they may be losing money per barrel, but it's, it could be worse if they stopped. Uh, Russia and Saudi are uh, pumping out oil like crazy as they're fighting a price war. Um, we have declining demand. So be careful when you step into oil company stock right now. It is going to be long-term. It's a good buy, and they have great dividends because they have lots of cash, but it's going to be long-term. Um, and as far as using bond money to purchase that, um, a money market or a savings account is going to be the most liquid. If we step a little bit further out, that's where we're going to see bonds because bonds and bonds 
bond funds do have some risk related to interest rates and credit issues. So be careful with converting some of that and jumping into the stock market. Go back and look at your original plans, goals, risk profile, and uh, make up your mind if you're going to do this. It's got to be long-term. And the other thing is, when you throw it in, it could go lower. But you need to be able just to hang on and see the rise. Uh, Circling back to our discussion on the stimulus bill, um, and again, uh, morning edition this morning, talked to both a Republican and then they quoted uh, Chuck Schumer, the Democratic leader of the Senate. Uh, They're fairly confident that something will be hammered out today. So I think that's good news. But Nancy, this is not really the first time that uh, Congress has been considering a program like this. I guess uh, back in 2008, there was a similar uh, program. Do you remember kind of what happened then? Well, let me back up because um, 2009 was the stimulus bill for the financial crisis that we had in 2008. But I have reminded my folks as we've watched this roller coaster with Congress this week in 2008, in the fall of 2008, the Federal Reserve went to Congress and asked them to pass a bill, which would be TARP, uh, so that they could uh, bail out the banks. And the first time it went to the floor, it failed. And uh, the markets responded pretty dramatically. And then everybody decided, well, maybe we need to do something. And they came back to the table and it was passed. So I think as we see events unfold, we're going to see um, our politicians coming to grips with some of the things that they need to do. And uh, But this is a fiscal stimulus. It is really the second bill to address what's happening with this right now. Um, for our listeners out there, we don't know exactly what's in the bill just yet. We're anxiously awaiting that, and we're going to try to let you know. All right. Uh, and then I guess uh, following 9-11, there was a similar thing in, in uh, 2001. So again, this idea of kind of sending cash directly to Americans is, is not unique. Uh, if something happens and Americans start to receive checks for $1,000, maybe couples for $2,000, $2,400, what would your advice as, as, a, as a money manager, a money advisor be when people uh, start receiving this, this money? Well, I hope they can use it to uh, maintain their lives through this. Um, That's the biggest concern. Uh, One of the things that we're watching for in this bill, and and some uh, municipalities are doing this, where we're trying to give people relief from rent payments. In particular, you think about a small business having to keep paying rent on a space when they have no customers and they're closed. Um, So we'll have to see what happens there. But the biggest thing they want us to do is to spend it and to keep it circulating in the economy. And um, I'm encouraging people to look for ways to spend it with your local small businesses and help them out. And I guess uh, um, the theory behind this, as opposed to unemployment insurance or welfare or food stamps or other government programs that assist citizens, is that it's a more direct and immediate uh, um, injection into the economy, I guess. Well, any of that is going to help. So um, that was one of the talks about this stimulus, that they wanted to increase the unemployment insurance. So any kind of cash put in our pockets, whether it's through unemployment or straight into our bank accounts, because the IRS has most of our direct deposit information already. So it'll be very easy and quick for them to put that money in your bank account. Um, Anything like that will help us. What doesn't help is if we don't spend it. Now, I understand for some people, you need to conserve some of that. If you don't have that emergency cash fund already, you need to be prepared for a little longer haul on this event. 
But for those who are already prepared, extra cash coming in, especially if you're still getting an income from your employer, then I'm encouraging you to spend it. Um, and so, uh, I, my thought was, if if something were to, if the, sort of the normal course of things in other areas of the country, we've seen, you know, businesses being required to close. Um, I guess, how would you, how do you support small business if the small businesses aren't open? Yeah, it's a tough one, and we have to be a little creative. Um, so um, what we've been doing in my household, uh, we've been ordering out and driving up to restaurants, local restaurants is what we're doing, and uh, they're still trying to keep some kind of activity going, and we're trying to support them. Um, also buying gift cards from some of our local restaurants. Other retailers, uh, you can call them, you can order online or over the phone, um, and they can deliver or you can pick up things. So anything you can do like that, I think will help them. I do worry about our small business folks uh, when everything grinds to a halt. For a lot of these small businesses, uh, they don't have the backup to last a few months. And this is another lesson as we talk about emergency cash for individuals. Small businesses also, any business needs to keep a certain amount of cash on hand in order to weather these unexpected events. Um, new businesses, they are really exposed right now. You know, they've just started, gotten their feet under them, and then suddenly this happens. So we are going to see a lot of those that fall by the wayside. Uh, and I guess also, this might be a time for small businesses to try to think out of the box, think creatively of ways uh, that they can still continue to serve as customers in their area, uh, and maybe in a, in a different way. And a lot of them are. Um, it's been amazing to me, just you know, because we're watching a lot of television right now as we're <laughs> stuck at home, and I'm already seeing ads that incorporate this event, what's happening right now. And um, I saw an ad for Ford where they said, you know, buy a car and we'll, you know, defer payments for six months. That's ingenious. Um, local restaurants that I'm seeing, uh, they are offering a limited menu and they're blasting out emails saying, here are a few choices. So uh, they don't have to prepare everything and uh, you can call and uh, go online and order and they will deliver to a certain spot. So the folks who are ingenious and innovative, I think we'll make it through this. We'll be back with more after this break. We're looking for your questions, your personal finance questions, as we all deal uh, with the coronavirus uh, and COVID-19. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge Anderson, President of New Perspectives. Nancy, we've got a couple of phone calls on the line, so let's start first in Florence. Our friend Roger is on the line. Good morning, Roger. Go ahead. Good morning. Thanks for what you're doing. It occurred to me this is slightly off target, but it's the use of money. It occurred to me that a couple of the 
churches that I support are not not being attended, and therefore they have a cash flow problem. And so keep that in mind, those those who might have uh, some cash reserves and not have to and, and have to choose between what to do with them. Dig in and consider the way, or call and find out if your church or churches that you know of are having a cash flow problem. They may not recover that a few months from now. People are people. So uh, consider the churches and send contributions if you can't go. Uh, that's my whole thought. All right, uh, Roger, thanks for the call. Good to hear from you. And Nancy, I guess he, he brings up a good point in that, you know, our religious community has had to adapt to the current situation, and a lot of them are doing online services and that sort of thing. But, you know, uh, collection baskets can't be passed around online. So you know, maybe uh, this is a time to think about uh, our religious institutions and, and how they're faring in with uh, the current situation. Well, certainly you can still send a check-in or an online payment. Um, my church has uh, an app called Tithely that has been set up for a while. And here again, this is a, an example of where we were moving towards something, and now this is pushing us faster. And so we can still do our tithes through that um, app. And so that's a way to keep supporting those churches. I would broaden that to say let's consider all of our nonprofits that are doing great work out there. And um, they're going to be hit pretty hard, and they're going to need some support during all of this. So you're going to have to find ways. Um, a lot of them uh, allow for online giving uh, through credit cards or PayPal, or you can still send in those checks if we can find our checkbook. If you're under the age of 40, you probably don't even know what a checkbook is. Um, and uh, then use different applications uh, to make sure we still support those things that are important to us. All right, let's stay on the phone lines. Next, we've got Ron, who's called in from Cherokee, Alabama. Ron, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, please. I sort of feel bad after, after asking a personal question after that last caller, but uh, my IRA, uh, I know it dropped 6000 last month and most probably more this month. Now, the government wants me to pull out $10,000 this year. Are there any way to ask uh, the president to... Uh, sort of cancel that for the year to leave that in my IRA. There is talk of that, Ron. Now, what you're um, alluding to is that if you're over 70 and a half, you have to take out a required minimum distribution based on the end of last year's value, which was pretty high before this happened. And now you're having to do it and maybe even cash out of things at a bad time. We're hearing talk of maybe delaying that or even, this was pretty drastic, what I, the, the latest I've read, allowing people to take up to 100000 out of their retirement accounts, maybe without uh, taxes and certainly without penalties. So we're watching to see what will happen to those retirement accounts. I think that is a reasonable suggestion to table those required minimum distributions for this year, but we're going to have to wait and see. And again, with any of this, I'm encouraging everybody, you can write or call your congressman and voice your opinions and concerns, pay attention to what the bill is, ask for um, things that you want in it. Uh, there's no problem with doing that. Be nice, though. All right, Ron. Well, now, I'm 83, and uh, and I'm... Uh, I have a death benefit, which if I pull mine out, then I lose my death benefit. 
if you pull things out, but I thought you said you had to. Well, yes, I do have to. They're, they're making me pull it out, but it, it comes off my death benefit. Uh, what okay. I pull out, it drops my death benefit that much. All right, so you have an annuity that is an IRA. Uh, there you are. That's, yeah, that's what that sounds like. Um, okay. And uh, the problem there is that an annuity is a contract with your insurance company, so you're going to have to check with them to see what they will allow you to do based on that contract. They may not budge. Okay. Okay. I sure thank y'all. All righty, Ron. Thanks for the call. Okay, thank you. Let's uh, get one more phone call in. By the way, if you have a question for Nancy this morning, you can call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 Robert in Jackson is now on the line. Good morning, Robert. Go ahead. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? We're doing good. What do you have for us? I have a question. I'm retired, uh, state retirement and Social Security. Both both checks are federal tax taken out. Will I be eligible for the similar check uh, if we should uh, get approved by Congress? Um, Kevin, could you help me there? I didn't get all of that. He's um, get state retirement, a pension, plus Social Security. No, I, I get state retirement and I get a Social Security, and both checks are taxed. So I, I pay federal tax on both. Uh, will I be right. eligible for the stimulus check if it should pass by Congress? Uh, will you get a stimulus check? Yes. And so what I've been seeing circulating on Facebook is, oh, my gosh, they're not going to give stimulus checks to people who are getting pensions, Social Security. We don't know yet. Now, the latest I've seen is it's based strictly on income. And so if your income based on those pensions is below their amounts, it sounds like you will get a stimulus check. We will see. Um, I think the plus side in this is our retired community, if they've done it right and they're still getting income, that's going to help undergird us. Um, But I'm hoping that they won't consider that um, because the idea is really just to get money circulating in our economy. Right. Like I said, both checks, I have federal tax taken out. In the past, well, my last year, uh, I had to pay back if they kept my check, which is fine. But like I said, I, I do. I, federal tax is taking out both checks. So I hope they take into consideration for us because I could use a stimulus check right about now. All right. I think Thank you. Right. Right. And, and one other thing um, that was floated, I, I don't know if they will do this, but the idea was floated to just give everybody um, a certain amount of money regardless of your income, regardless of where your income comes from, mm-hmm. and then um, tax it on the back end next year based on those who have higher incomes that some of that will come back. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that will be the case or not. Um, because, I'm, you know, when you start to give out money, then people start to complain about, well, I didn't get it, and why right. didn't I get it? Right, yeah. um, and uh, giving it to everybody all at once would mean it could get out faster. But yeah. again, we're waiting to see what they're going to finally decide on. Thank you. And I and also want to add this. I enjoy your show. Thank oh. you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Thank, Thank you. Thanks for your call, Robin. And as Nancy said, keep keep your eye on the news because we anticipate uh, probably, hopefully something will uh, be resolved uh, and some uh, stimulus bill will be passed today. That's the, the anticipation, uh, at least. Uh, one, uh, let's work in one. And, and uh, Kevin? Yeah. Uh, Kevin, again, we're going to try to dive into that and and pull out those things that we think are the most important to our listeners, and we'll get that to you 
so you can post it. Very good. Uh, here's an email that asks, with the IRS deadline extended July 15th, does that mean quarterly payments that were due April 15th are now due July 15th? Oh, gosh, that's a good question. And um, I don't know that um, because the problem is with those quarterly payments, they are usually based on what your accountant has told you. You know, you send in all of your tax information from the previous year. They do the calculations, and then they say, okay, these are your new quarterly payments. They're not able to do that um, if they're trying to work remotely or they're limited in staff. And um, so I don't know the answer to that question question. My hunch is we're going to see a delay in those, but that doesn't mean you still won't owe the money. It's just maybe deferred a while. All right. Uh, one thing I, uh, my uh, gas, natural gas bill, uh, tried to pay online and uh, did because I didn't want to go in. I usually pay in person. But anyway, there was a convenience fee added on there. And uh, I felt a little silly because I got a little mad and I called the customer service line and sort of was ranting and raving a little bit, trying to be polite. Uh, but they told me, well, no, sir, we're actually going to credit that back to you on your next bill. Good. So that, good. Was, uh, that was good to hear. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad I didn't really, you know, go full on rah, 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 you know, uh, because again, you know, when you deal with someone so, like that, that's the basic customer service person and there's nothing, they're not the, the decision makers, but uh, got some good news in that regard. So Kevin, you were still going in to pay your gas bill? That's the only way until this happened that they didn't, my area, they didn't do online payment. And so, wow, that's old school, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, that was a little bit of good news. We've got another caller on the line. Let's say good morning to Mary in Quitman. Mary, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Mary, you need to turn your uh, radio down and talk to us through your phone, please. Yes. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, I have a question. If if I have it, I don't have anything that goes to the bank. All my money goes direct to my debit card. If we do get a stimulus check, are we going to have to pay that back if we get SSI and Social Security? Again, I don't know that. Um, the talk lately is that um, there would be larger amounts for people on the lower end as far as income brackets. And um, most people have their deposit information on file already with the IRS. For those who don't, like you say, it goes onto a debit card. There will be some process if you're supposed to get a payment so that you get it on a debit card as well. I, if that happens, I don't expect them to ask for that money back. Again, what we're trying to do is boost the economy, get money into the hands of people so that they will spend it and it gets circulating. Yes, ma'am. All right. Okay, one more question. I listen to MPV religiously. And I never hear nothing about Quitman, Mississippi, with the coronavirus. And I, I, I keep listening and I keep hoping, but I don't hear nothing. Well, I'm going to brag on Mississippi because I've been watching what um, we've been doing, and, and UMMC and C Spire have teamed up to um, 
set up an app so that we can figure out who needs to be tested and then setting up testing sites. I've seen my local representative post information about testing sites around the state. So I'm very proud of Mississippi for um, being forward and progressive in addressing this illness. All right, Mary, we appreciate your call. Uh, Let's take one final break this hour. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We'll be back with more after this, so stay tuned. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives. Uh, we did a little quick research and had discovered that uh, uh, there are no reported cases of COVID-19 yet in Quitman County. Uh, but for the lady that called in, uh, there's also a resource that you can go to if you have your web, uh, website. It's mpbonline.org slash coronavirus. We try to aggregate all of the information the MPB news team uh, is producing about the virus on that uh, web page. So that's a, a resource that you can go to uh, for information about the virus. Um, Here's an interesting question uh, via email, Nancy, and it says, uh, what's your impression about how this pandemic and resulting disruptions will affect the economy long term? Specifically, how could the fiscal stimulus shape the economic landscape and how could the business practices adopted during COVID-19, like working from home, product delivery, etc., change the way that business is done even after the virus is contained? I think there are going to be some big changes. Um, I'm hoping they're going to be for the better. Um, I think the medical emergency will play out quicker than the economic emergency. Um, I'm depending on medical professionals for that, and if we are wise and we can get past this, um, there will be an economic impact, and there's going to be a lag in that, and it's probably going to take us a couple of quarters in order for that to filter through. My concern is, again, small businesses that won't survive through this, and there are going to be those. Um, and um, But we also are going to see some opportunities as we get innovative and how do we spend uh, more of our money online? Um, how do businesses um, adjust to what's happening right now? Um, mobile banking will become even more important. I think we'll be adopting many of those practices more so. But again, the bigger issue is as communities, we need to look at the uh, quality of our internet service and how we provide that service to people who maybe don't have it right now. Because when you start to push online with so many things, bear in mind, there are some folks who can't get online. I was talking to a client who's a teacher in Louisiana, and she's in a low-income school district, and um, she's trying to keep classes going, but some of her students don't have internet access. So that's a problem, and we're going to have to look at those issues and try to address it. And we're going to have to think about this um, particular situation we have in the U.S. We're the only developed country whose health insurance is attached to our employment, which creates a distortion in the system. And it is is 
is so um, obvious now when you have a situation where you may be losing your employment and, and losing your health insurance in the middle of a health event. And so that's a problem. We're going to have to look at how we address that and how people can um, still maintain health coverage even if they do lose employment or change employment. So a lot of things um, will be changing, and we hope they're going to be for the best. All right. Uh, Producer Liz Gill corrected by Mississippi Geography. Quitman County and the city of Quitman are not – the city of Quitman is not in Quitman County. It's in Clark County. But we checked, and there have been no documented cases of COVID-19 in Clark County as well. Back to the phone lines we go. Off to Osaka. Kathleen is on the line. Good morning, Kathleen. Hi. Um, good morning to y'all. Within the best of the circumstances, I've got a, a throwback opinion. One, support your local businesses because they are the ones that have the easiest way to bend to what you need. Say like if cherries are in season. If you have a before with a greengrocer or a free, uh, farmer's market or something, get the whole thing. You can dry them in your oven. You don't need a fancy... Uh, uh, what do they call it, food uh, dryer or dehydrator to do it. And try for young people who've never been exposed to this and some of even the baby boomers, keep a pantry. You never know a storm. It doesn't have to be this uh, corona thing. It could be um, something else. It could be measles. Or there's a lot of people who uh, are my age that we are having health issues, but I don't drive often. So I'm automatically, uh, what do they call it, uh, desocializing. But uh, if they could store stuff, say like, okay, I'm just being silly now, but I'm having oatmeal for breakfast. I don't like it so much, but I'm having it. But I keep dried raisins on hand. They don't spoil. I can keep dried cherries on hand if I want to fancy it up, dried fruits and whatever, and cinnamon. Cinnamon doesn't go bad. There's a lot of examples that food is a health issue in itself. You don't have to buy the processed pizza. You can get a uh, pita bread and make your own toppings. So there's things that we have forgotten, but our parents and grandparents who lived through World War One and World War Two, they don't have such a bad way to go. And it's not inconvenient. Uh, you make your list. And kids do, or young people, I'm speaking to with the hope that they maybe help them. Make a list when you go. Don't go buying everything that you don't need. For instance, if toothpaste is on sale, you know it doesn't go bad. And you know you're going to probably use it. Most people do. <laughs> so when, when it's on sale at a certain point, I get 12. Because I know I'll never use one a month, but I'll have it on hand, and it's one less trip to the store. It's just a little common sense. And it, it's not going to solve the problems, but it may help a little bit. And developing a relationship with a store that is owned by local people. You go to some of the big box stores, not that they're trying to cooperate, but when they have a hiccup, hundreds of people may lose a job. When you have a individual store, you're dealing with maybe about four or five people, mainly. And you can situate yourself to where they say, well, we know Ms. So-and-so hasn't been in. She might need some help. You're not noticed in a big box store as much as local people. And you will find more friends and more help and support and advice from old coots like me that's still hanging in here. But I'm just saying that that would help a little 
it, like I said, it's not a solution, but think ahead a little bit on things that don't go bad. You like bleach. You know you're going to need bleach when they're on sale. Maybe you don't need five, but you get the five for $3 and hold on to it. You will use it. All right, uh, Kathleen, thanks uh, for your call. Good to hear from you. Some suggestions there. Uh, don't hoard, but uh, there are some things that you can stockpile. Uh, maybe it's a good idea so that you know that you're uh, you're always going to be prepared. Um, this is uh, the Mississippi Public Service Commission has a bit of good news as well. They are prohibiting utility shutoffs during the state of emergency. So if you're worried a little bit about falling behind on any utility payments, uh, the public service is uh, prohibiting uh, shutoffs. Uh, so that's, uh, as I say, a little bit of good news. Let's uh, end the show. Uh, with Tim calling in from Tennessee. Good morning, Tim. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Hey, how are you? Good. Listen, my question is, me, me and my wife, are, we're, we're kind of blessed. We're, we're still working through this whole thing. We still spend locally. That's not an issue. My question is, once we get this stimulus, should we invest in the stock market to try to bring the market back up? Or what should we do? Because, like I say, we're still spending locally. Nancy got about a minute left. Oh, that's... Yeah, that's a good question. I've had that uh, asked of me already. Um, I would say to you, if you want to maybe split that money, and uh, if, if you're interested in investing, and again, it's long-term that you have your eyes on, you can take a portion of it and purchase some stocks. But I would still encourage you to spend at least half or most of it on local businesses and uh, help them out, and that's going to help all of the economy, which will boost the stock market altogether. So, yeah, if you buy stocks, it might push the price up, um, but it's going to take big money to really push it a lot, and that means an overall increasing economy. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. All right, Tim, uh, thanks for your call. Uh, as we wrap up, just to remind you again, if uh, you are looking for a reliable source of information about the coronavirus and COVID-19, one source is our webpage, mpbonline.org slash coronavirus. That has the latest news that our MPB news team has gathered about the virus. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from our listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, you can go to moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks on your favorite podcasting app. Our show is produced by Liz Gill, and our call screener today was Java Chapman. So for Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, I'm Kevin Farrell. Join us every Tuesday at 9 for Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.